The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak not on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. For those of you who pay attention to the uh, church year, the calendar, you know that we are entering into that time of what was often called ordinary time. It's uh, that great long green season that sometimes becomes very boring, it seems. But as I was thinking about that and in preparation for this sermon, I, I thought, you know, this doesn't seem like ordinary time to me. I thought about uh, last Sunday, what a glorious Pentecost celebration we had. Uh, Nick and I were talking about it just before the service. I said, I think it was one of the most wonderful celebrations of Pentecost that I've been a part of. And part of that was because we had the baptism of Anna Teresa, the Barris's granddaughter, and her being so connected into this congregation through relationships, the, the fact that we were able to celebrate in the way that we did to come together as community meant so much to me, I think, that morning. Then, of course, in the afternoon, we celebrated the, the marriage of our son. And then the week went on, and yesterday... Uh, Saturday, we had a wonderful celebration at the cathedral of, I think, 12 or 13 new ordinations to the diaconate. And among them, two people very closely connected with Trinity. Uh, of course, Regina Walton, who had been here uh, ministering with children and their families. And uh, Mark Sweet, who has been a part of this parish for so long. And his mom, Betsy, who is a part of our congregation now. So much to celebrate yesterday. No ordinary day. And then I thought also about last weekend being a Memorial Day weekend and how for so many of us, we were very conscious of the reality of war and how many people are dying, are giving of their lives in far off places. Something that's happened throughout our history over and over again and now once again. And I came across 
a picture that was on the MSNBC uh, news site, which is my home page. And some of you may have seen it. It's a young woman who is lying in front of a tombstone in Arlington Cemetery. And she is speaking, apparently, to the to the grave, according to the photographer who was there. He watched her for a moment, he said. There was a sound clip associated with this where he talked about his experience of, of encountering her. He eventually watched her go off and she uh, talked with some mourners. And then when things settled down a bit and it was a bit lighter, he said he talked with her about why she was there. And he had been a combat photographer. It turned out he had been in Iraq about the same time as her fiance had been and when he had died. Mary McHugh was her name. And her fiance, Sergeant James Regan, was killed by an IED. He had, they had been together for about four years, and then he had decided he wanted to go in the Army, became a Ranger. And if you can imagine this, in three years, he had four deployments. He was deployed twice to Iraq and twice to Afghanistan. And of course, they were planning to be married at the end of his four-year hitch. Well, Mary's life is no longer ordinary either. It has been changed forever. And for so many people, I thought, how many people have had their ordinary lives upset and changed as a result of that war? And the death and the pain that has come to so many families. And even when their loved ones have returned, sometimes so badly wounded and with so many injuries so long lasting, that their lives will never be the same. Well, perhaps the reality is that there is no ordinary time. It's all extraordinary time as a living human being involved in the lives of other people. And as I thought about what made that past week so extraordinary, it was extraordinary because of the relationships that it represented. The many different relationships that I had, that I was connected with, that brought me out of ordinariness into extraordinary life. And even thinking about Mary, the pain that she experiences with the loss of Jimmy, that loss is meaningful because of the relationship that was there, that was so cherished. Now, I think the way we live our lives, we often compartmentalize pretty, pretty uh, uh, easily and with uh, great dexterity, I believe. As Christians, we often set aside those things we consider to be sacred, often Sunday morning, church activities, something like that. Everything else is secular, sort of separate from God. And we perhaps do that to protect ourselves from God, I think. Because if God invades all of our life, who knows what might happen? And I believe that part of the reason that we do that is because of the potential of that relationship with God that somehow deep inside we know it is powerful. It will make a difference in our lives. God wants to invade all of our lives. God, I believe, wants our lives to be truly holy spirited so that our entire life is infused with the spirit of the living God. Well, today is uh, Trinity Sunday. And in time, all of this will make sense, I guarantee you. <laughs> Trinity Sunday is one of those Sundays where uh, most preachers would rather be someplace else. It'd be a good day to be on vacation. And then I thought, as I was listening to the lessons at 8 o'clock, I'd much rather try to explain the Trinity than try to explain the visions of either Isaiah or John. 
So I will take the easy route. I'll talk about the Trinity this morning. What I want to talk about is the importance of relationships that make our lives extraordinary, but especially the relationship we have with God. I think at the heart of what it is to know God is to understand God as being a a being that wants, perhaps even needs, to be in relationship with us. Now, that is hard, I think, for us sometimes to imagine, but I believe it is true. We get this idea of Trinity uh, from Scripture. There are places we could go in the Old Testament. We could pull up these Hebrew Scriptures that would lead us to wonder, is that possibly an indication of this God being expressed in many different ways? And then, of course, in today's Gospel, it's one of the few places in the uh, in the New Testament or in all of Scripture where we hear of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit, in this case being referred to as the Advocate, in one place. So it's it's peeks out at us in various parts of Scripture. But what's important to know, I think, is that it is because of the experience of the church, because of the experience of people that we have this doctrine of the Trinity. Sometimes we get so focused on doctrine, so caught up on trying to understand, to make it make sense to us, that we forget that at its heart, doctrine is based on experience. So to understand, one must really experience. It's not about trying to get it up here. It's about trying to get it in here. So the church had this experience of God in three different manifestations, it seemed. Hearing Jesus talk about God as a loving parent, referring to God as father, could have referred to God as mother. But the idea of being loving parent, so important to Jesus' understanding of who he was in relationship with the living God. And then understanding the possibility of the coming of the spirit of God when Jesus would leave those that he loved. And reassuring them that they would not be left alone, that there would be one, an advocate who would come and come alongside them, that would be with them. And so the church began to understand that God expressed God's self in three different ways. Now, I know that whenever we talk about these points of doctrine, for many of us, you know, we go into a place where we say, golly, this brings up a lot of red flags for me. I'm not sure I believe in in a three-person God. There are many, I think, who really want to hold on very tightly to this one God, monotheistic God. But I think we can also understand as Christians that that one God can have an expression in three forms. But it also brings up the whole idea of all those things in the creed that maybe I can't really say with a with a full heart. And I wanted to remind us this morning that the creed is not a pledge of allegiance. The creed is rather a statement of the whole church of what the church says that it believes based on councils that have come together over the centuries. At any given point in time, on any Sunday, there may be a part of that creed that I may say, well, I'm not sure. So we should not get hung up on points of doctrine, because I think that leads us off in the wrong direction. I believe that what God wants more than anything from us is a relationship. I think it's as important as the relationships that I was reflecting on that had made this past week so truly rich, 
so truly extraordinary. God wants a relationship with you and with me. As an aside, I, I want to comment on one thing that I'm sure many of you may have wondered about. And that is why I use that old-fashioned blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I do that because, to me, the relationship with a living God who has, in some way, a personhood, and that may be my own limitation to have to think of God in that way, but I think that it's important in order for me to understand myself as being in relationship with that God. So for me, the, the blessing of creator, redeemer, sanctifier, while it, it helps me understand God in terms of what God does, it's not what God did that has transformed my life. It is the relationship with the living God that continues to transform my life. I, I think many believe that all of this somehow is not very important. But I think it is of profound importance. I think it's at the very heart of who we are as Christians and as a Christian community. I believe that we worship one God. One God who has expressed God's self in three different ways. A God who wants to reach out to us and to be in relationship with us in a way that transforms our lives. A God who I believe might in fact even need that relationship with us. I want to tell you about a woman who is probably the most unlikely person to serve as an example for all of this. But then on, in, another, in another perspective, she is perhaps the best person to serve as an example for us. Her name is Sarah Miles. Sarah grew up in a family. The parents, her parents, were the, were the children of missionaries. But as often happens with preachers' kids and missionaries' kids, they didn't want to have anything to do with the church. So Sarah grew up not having heard any of the good news of the gospel. She had never heard the gospel read. She had never prayed the Lord's Prayer, nor had ever heard it prayed. And she only knew one person who attended church. She describes herself as the most unlikely convert. She says that she's a blue state secular intellectual, a lesbian with a child from a previous boyfriend, and a left-wing journalist who is deeply skeptical. She sounds like an interesting person to me. <laughs> well, something very wonderful happened to Sarah. Sarah happened to find herself at St. Gregory's Church in San Francisco. And any of you who know St. Gregory's know that it's perhaps unlike any Episcopal church you've ever been a part of if you ever worship there. The altar's in the middle in one part of the church and it's uh, very common for people to worship by uh, dancing around that altar to wonderful tunes that just bring that whole church alive. Well, Sarah walked into that church and received communion there and her life was transformed. She had what some would call a conversion experience. She was no longer the same person she was when she walked in. She had had a personal relationship, a personal encounter with the living God. The living God in some way that day when she received communion reached out to her in a way that had never happened to her before. 
And I would guess she probably had no idea what was happening to her. She was 46 at the time. She is now on the staff of St. Gregory's. And her life was not just changed so that she had something precious to leave that place with, but rather her life was changed in a way that helped her understand how she might make a difference in the world around her. And so now every Friday, there are groceries put up, put out around that altar for 400 families to come and receive the groceries so that they might have food. And it didn't stop there. Sarah went on to be the impetus for nine more pantries in the San Francisco area. Sarah's life was transformed. She was a person who thought that perhaps if she had heard about God in the way that we might speak of God, she would probably think she could never approach that God because she would never be good enough. She could never get her life in a place where it would be acceptable for her to come and even receive communion. But perhaps Sarah was lucky because she didn't know better. And she came and the living God encountered her and drew her to God's self. I believe that's what God wants to do with every one of us and to transform us so that we can look beyond ourselves and we can offer ourselves to a world in need. Amen.